0: Man, I tell you, I can't tell you how how much my heart swells just seeing you lovely people on Sunday and you people online on Sunday too. Just thank God for this beautiful, wonderful community. Thursday morning, I woke up Thursday morning, and uh, some of you may not even know this song, but I do. And uh, I, it just popped out of nowhere, but I woke up, and how many of you are singing a song right now? You always got a song going on in your spirit. You know, oh, there's always a song of the Lord there. Well, I woke up going, Mercy there was great, and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary and i was like man i love that i mean what a great and that's one of those old hymns I came into the office i started singing it they're all looking at me i've never heard that before what are you talking about and even my wife said man i've been around a long time i can't even remember that one but mercy there was great and grace was free pardon there was multiplied to me there my burdened soul found liberty at calvary paul you gotta remember that one yeah. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate that. Anybody else remember that one? All eyes closed, heads bowed. Anyone else? remember? Thank you very much. All right. A couple of Baptists put their hands up. That was good. Awesome. Yeah. My dad used to sing that. Boy, could he sing. I tell you, he'd make anything just sound like a, a heavenly choir and just, man, I just love it. But you know what? Mercy there was great. And grace was free. And you know what? Grace isn't fair. And thank God it's not. Because if we got what was fair, if we got what was due, Lord, every one of us have a big problem. But thank God, mercy there was great. And grace was free. Amen. So I want you to... Turn in your Bibles. We're going to Luke chapter 19. Got some verses today. Again, we're talking about it's not fair. It's not fair, but we're talking about the grace of God in those not fair places. So, Luke chapter 19, five to nine. I love this story. I love this story because it's about a short guy. I remember in Sunday school when they had? Remember Zacchaeus? Remember when I was? A, more songs for you. Ready? You ready? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up into the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. For the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Lord passed by that day, he looked up into the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house for tea. For I'm going to your house for tea. How many know that was written by... Thank you. I got a strong little crowd right here. It's just, it had to be written by some British writer because I'm going to your house for tea. I mean, oh my goodness, you know? If it was written by me, we were going to your house for a beverage, you know, but uh, anyway, fill in the blank. But here, Jesus like, I want to go to your place. That's what's going on right here, Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was not just a tax collector. Because in the Bible, there's sinners, and then there's really, really good sinners. They had their own category. So the sinners and the tax collectors. Now, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, so he wasn't just a sinner. He wasn't just a really, really good sinner. He was the head sinner of the ball. I mean, here was a guy that, I mean, the Jews despise these people because they got it lined up with the Romans, and they were taxing them, and they'd get a little quota, and if my quota is to turn into Caesar 10 bucks, doesn't matter what I get out of you, all I owe him is 10 bucks. Well, I get 50 bucks out of you, I get to keep 40. So these guys were thieves and dogs ripping people off, and the Jewish people hated them. But Zacchaeus was a little guy. In my story, he is played by Danny DeVito. He's the one who plays that. But he ran, he ran, he's running. He said, I want to see Jesus. The crowds are everywhere. So he decides to go up this tree, and he's up there just so he can see Jesus. But here it is. Look what it says. He looked up. Jesus was passing by, and he looked up, and he said to him, hey, you. He said. Zacchaeus. I think that probably blew Zacchaeus' mind right there. Boom. Don't you know that he knows your name? Don't you know? And I love it. He didn't say, hey, you, or what's going on? It's amazing how incredibly connected Jesus was. But he said, hey, Zacchaeus. He says, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Say, stay. Today I must stay at your house. So he made haste, and he came down, and he received them joyfully. But when they saw, say, they. When they saw it they all complained. When they which is the religious people, the religious rulers, religious leaders, all the goody-goody two-shoes people, they complained saying, "He's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner." He's a sinner. <gasps> can't believe this Jesus. Then Zacchaeus stood and he said, Lord, look, Lord, look, Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Wowzers. Wowzers. If I ripped anybody off in this taxation business, I'm going to restore four times whatever was taken from them. How did this whole transition place? Jesus took him through a 15 week seminar on greed and avarice and all these things. And he said, If you act like this, you will go straight to hell, you dirty dog. Now, what happened here? You know what happened? Jesus said, I want to spend some time with you. Jesus said, I want to hang out with you. Jesus sat across the table, face to face, eye to eye. And suddenly, Everything that was not of God, everything that shaped his life that was not redemptive and of God's eternal purpose for him, suddenly all of that didn't even matter. Everything he'd done that could not satisfy him, just one visitation of Jesus, one encounter with Jesus, so satisfied his life that he got broken of that stronghold of greed and avarice, and he changed his whole world. Mercy there was great, and grace was free pardon there, was multiplied to me. That face-to-face encounter. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. See, that would have freaked the Jewish people out because they would have said, not a chance. But he said, he also is a son of Abraham. He is a son of Abraham for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. What's Jesus doing? He's seeking the lost. What's Jesus here for? He's seeking broken people. He's seeking people that are messed up. He's walking into situations where life isn't fair. Maybe you're believing or behaving unfair. Wherever there's brokenness and things are out of line or out of order, that's where Jesus is showing up to change your world. And Jesus comes, an encounter with Jesus. Lamentations chapter 3. How many have read Lamentations recently? Thank you. See that hand? Anyone else? I see that hand. You know, Lamentations, one of my favorite books. I've taught on it. Uh, One of the first times I taught a, a seminar at my dad's church, I taught on the book of Lamentations. Five weeks on lamentations. Well, I'll tell you, I uh, had a job, things were going okay for me, and I did a bunch of nonsense, some silly stuff, Uh, landed in jail a couple times, had some charges, things that messed up my life. I was studying to be a civil engineer, and all of a sudden, I just had a bad summer. So messed up my life that I had so many legal (laughs) fees and fines and things and difficulties. Thank God I had a good lawyer, and he kept me out of any real jail stint. But I had a lot of things I had to pay, I had to pull out. But because of it, It it impacted my my job, and they came and they had to lay me off, and then here I was. It was after Christmas, the first week of the new year, and man, my life had taken a really bad turn. My mom and dad were gone to work, and I was all alone. I, I actually had to move back in with my parents. It's really bad, I eh? <laughs> had to move back in with mom and dad. Wowzers, thank God. So here I am. And I know some stuff had happened in my life that wasn't my fault. Some things that happened in my world weren't my fault. And they really affected me and really damaged my view on life. And other people did things that, that caused me a lot of pain and I didn't respond to it really well. But anyway, I landed myself where I was. I sat there and said, what am I going to do? I better start looking for a job. I better do something. And I sat there my dad's Bible was on the coffee table. So I flipped it open and I went, I don't want to read a lot, but I'd like to read a little bit. And I thought, well, let me go to the table of contents, see what's there. And then I saw Lamentations. I saw it's only a few pages. I said, I could read that. Like, I'm not going to read the book of Psalms this morning or anything, but maybe just a little bit of reading. I thought, Lamentations. Sounds miserable. I feel miserable. So why not go to Lamentations? It must be the book for all miserable people. And I started reading, and I went, like, wow, these people got it rough. I mean, they were, they'd were they stepped into cannibalism, all kinds of nonsense. They were, you know, taking turns eating each other's babies. I was like, these people are messed up. I was like, wow, look at how crazy this stuff is. And then all of a sudden, I got to the middle of the chapter, and it said, why should a young man complain for being punished for his ways? And I went... Well, that's not good. I do feel like complaining. I mean, come on. It's not fair. Don't don't drop all this on me. Throw me a bone. Well, he did. Right after that. Look what it says. Lamentations 3. It says, Yet this I recall to mind, and therefore I have hope. See, recalling something to mind is like repenting. It's like getting your mind straight. This I recall to mind, and therefore I have hope. It says the Lord's through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because of his compassions they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Man. And you know, right there, right there, right there, I went, Wowzers. Well, God, I put a demand. On your mercy, I put a demand on your faithfulness to be who you say you are. And Lord, I, I, I'm here, Sure. and it's a mess. I made some bad decisions, but God, I need your help. And I'm like, could you, could you cancel a couple of fines? Could you, could you cancel this? Could you get me your my job back? Could you do this? Could you do that? And He says, He says. I can't do a lot of that stuff. You're going to reap a harvest. You sowed some nonsense. God's not mocked. You're going to reap what you sow. Not because God wants to, but here's the good news. God's not mocked. You're going to reap what you sow. You're sowing good stuff. You're going to reap a harvest. But he said, there's a harvest coming, and it's a bit messy. But he said, I'll tell you what you turn to me you trust me you trust me every single day of your life from this point on and i'll tell you you'll start to have a harvest of righteousness that'll be so huge it's going to take the harvest of nonsense and it's going to blow it out of the water and i guarantee you within a year from now you won't recognize yourself that was that was a massive encounter with god where i knew he spoke to me and it's so rippled in my heart and in my mind that you won't recognize yourself I was like, wow, in a year. And I'd forgotten all about it. I just got on, got on with things, did stuff. I didn't make any massive changes. Even between then, I had a few bounces, falls here and there, a bit of a rubber room experience, good day, bad day. But, but you know, overall, I fixed my heart on this. God is merciful and God is faithful, and he's going to do good to me. And I just confess that all the time. I just believed that God was for me. And, you know, boom, I tell you, a year later, I'd got not just a job back, a better job. And in that same year, my wife, in a basement of a church in Peterborough, she asked me out. They say hallelujah. Isn't that good? I mean, I mean, a lot of people look at me and they say, where's the pastor's wife? It's that lady over there. No, the pastor's wife. No, it's that lady over there. No, the little fat guy. Where's his wife? It's that lady over there. As I tell people, I'm from the tribe of Howdy Getter. The tribe of Howdy Getter. Because people look at me, look at her and go, get her? Well, <laughs> I'll tell you why. You know I got her? Lamentations chapter (laughs) 3. The Lord is merciful, and the Lord is faithful, and he's a good, good God. Everything shifted in my life that year, and that Christmas, we had a Christmas time at my, my Uncle Paul's house, and people were opening gifts, and I was in the kitchen grabbing something, and then I heard laughing out there, so I wanted to lean out and see what was going on, and when I just leaned my head around the corner, my two uncles were there, my Uncle Ken and my Uncle Paul, and all of a sudden, they turned to each other, and they didn't know I was there, but I overheard my Uncle Ken say, man, do you believe what's happened to Carly? I can't believe what and that's oh, Jesus <laughs> so That's that's what they called me was Carly cuz my dad was Carl and I was Carly. But you know, he says, "Can you believe what's happened with Carly?" And they turned to each other and he says, "Man, I tell you, I can't recognize that kid from a year ago." And boom, the Lord said, told you? mercy there was great and grace was free pardon there was multiplied to me there my burdened soul found liberty at- oh so good some of you people were holding out on me you knew that song it's a true story romans chapter 9 14 to 16 it says is that grounds for complaining that God's not fair? It's from the message paraphrase. He said, is that grounds for complaining that God's not fair? Not so fast. Not so fast, please. God told Moses, I'm in charge of mercy. I'm in charge of compassion. Compassion doesn't originate in your bleeding hearts or moral sweat, but it's God's mercy. I will give mercy to whom I choose to give mercy. God will use anybody. He'll even find a wingnut like me and just pour out his grace and his goodness on me. And I'll tell you what, if he did it for me... He'll do it for you. Don't matter who you are. Hey, Micah chapter 7, 18 says, where is another God like you? Where is there a God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, who overlooks the sins of a special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. The King James says, you delight in showing mercy. You know, uh, when you cry out for mercy, God's going, yes! Oh, that's so awesome. I love it when people ask for mercy. He delights in showing mercy. God is not a God who delights in judgment. God is a God who says, ah, you don't want to get what you deserve? Whoa! I am a God who gives you what you don't deserve and floods you with even more than that. He is excited about showing mercy. And I tell you today, we need to be a lot like him because how many need some mercy? Is there anybody here today who said, I could use a bucket full right now? Well, you know what? Just turn your face to heaven because God is rich in mercy. Mercy there was great and grace was free. I was trying to ask George if he could play this for me today, but he said, not a chance, not a chance. Love the words pastor, but yuckadoo on that version. And there was multiplied to me, not a little bit, but a whole, whole bunch. Matthew chapter 20, 1 to six. Let me read this whole passage for you. Jesus talking about a, a kingdom parable. He said, "The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard." And when he went out in the third hour, so the first six o'clock in the morning, that's six o'clock in the morning, he got a group of guys that said, I want you to work in my vineyard. I'm gonna give you a denarius to do it. A denarius was considered a day's wages. So let's, for instance, just say a couple hundred bucks. They said, boom, I'm in. A couple hundred bucks, I'll work. It's a 12-hour day, too. I'm gonna work in your vineyard. Good deal, all right. So I'm gonna work in your vineyard. So uh, then he said the third hour, he saw some others standing idle in the marketplace. He said to them, hey, you wanna go to my vineyard? Two and I'll tell you. Now he doesn't say a denarius, but he says, "And whatever is right, I will give you." Three hours later, he hires some more guys. He says, "I'll give you whatever is right." So they went. About the sixth hour, he did that again. About the ninth hour, he did likewise. Then on the eleventh hour, the eleventh hour, we're talking now, some of these guys have been working in that field for 11 hours. I mean, hard, under the sun, working real hard. Now the eleventh hour, I mean, we're getting right to the end of the day. At the eleventh hour, he went and he found some others still standing idle. He said, hey, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said, because no one hired us. And he said to them, you also, go on into my vineyard and I will give you whatever is right you will receive. It. Say what's right. Whatever is right, you're going to receive it. So when the evening came, the owner in the vineyard said to his third, call all the laborers in and let's give them their wages, but let's begin with the last of the first. And when those came in and were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a denarius. What did the first guys get hired? They were going to receive for working all day. What were they going to receive? They are going to receive a ah, denarius. Boom. So they're looking on going, Wowzers. Each one received a denarius, but when the first came, they were like, well, man, if he's giving a denarius to the 11th hour guys, I'm sure we guys who showed up at six o'clock, cha-ching, we're really going to hit payday. Can I get a glory to Jesus? Can I get a thank God for working hard? Can I get a good thank you, Jesus, for I merit your favor? Well, they showed up. When they had received, they all also received a denarius. When they received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal. You made them equal. You made them equal. You made them equal. equal." Those guys who, man, I'm going to get a drink. I see them walking into the field. I mean, they showed up at the 11th hour, and some of them, I'm telling you, meh. I've been here since six in the morning, and these guys who showed up for the last hour when the work was pretty much already done, you made them equal to us. How many, come on, how many right now? How do I get a union for this place? I mean, my God, I tell you, we need to organize, guys, because management is not fair. It's not fair! Sorry about that on the TV set. Just turn your, turn your volume down a little. It's not fair. It's not fair. When they received it, they complained to the landowner. These last guys, I mean, we were, he made them equal to us. But he answered one of them and he said, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me to work for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give the last the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? Interesting. Is your eye evil because I am good? It's amazing how the goodness of God can so frustrate people. Is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first will be last because many are called and few are chosen. The first shall be last and the last shall be first for many are called. I want to show you a picture, show you a picture here right now. There it is. Some of you know that fella and all of a sudden you're going, oh my goodness. And that's, that's Jeffrey Dahmer. Well, why did you put Jeffrey Dahmer on the shield? On the screen. Why did I do that? Because I actually wanted to get a little bit of a shock factor. I wanted to do that. And this was uh, because I was reading in Max Licato's book in the grip of grace. And he said, knowing what disturbs me most, you know what disturbs me most about, Je- I'm just pulling a little bit out of that. He says, you know what disturbs me most about Jeffrey Dahmer? What disturbs me most is not his acts, though they are disgusting. And he went on to lay out all the things that Jeffrey Dahmer did. I mean, when they arrested him, I think they had, he had 19 bodies in his home. He had skulls in his freezer. He had body parts in his refrigerator. He'd actually turned into a cannibal. The guy was a full-on nut bar. But he says, what bothers me most isn't what he did and the things that he did. He said, well, even though they're disgusting, he said, it's his conversion. See, Jeffrey Dahmer, he read an article and he found out that Jeffrey Dahmer, while he was in prison, a chaplain visited him. And with that chaplain, he met Jesus. And with that chaplain, he confessed that I am a sinner and I thank God for the forgiveness of sins. And Jeffrey Dahmer got baptized in water and Jeffrey Dahmer was added to our church, to that universal, wonderful church of God that we belong to. He got brought into our community and he was made equal to you and to me. Mercy there was great. And grace was free. But Max the Catholic said, he said, you know, that troubles me. And it shouldn't, but it does. His sins washed. His soul cleansed. His past forgiven. He said, God had grace for a cannibal. He said, my trouble in accepting Dahmer's conversion is inexcusable. It's inexcusable. It's inexcusable. I don't know about you. We still do that. We got some people we honor. See, God is no respecter of persons. Do you know what that means? It means no. We are. We are serious respecters of persons. And if you don't think so, just talk to people about their politics. God is no respecter of persons. But we do. We got scales. We got lists. We We got things. We determine, you know, who has value and who doesn't. What's good for us and what isn't. How are you doing? Mercy there was great and grace was free. In Acts chapter 9, 10 to 20, there's a whole story about the conversion of Saul who then became Paul. And you see, here's a guy who was a terrorist. He was causing terror with the people of God. He was going around and seeing that Christians were killed, put in jail. and I mean, he was treating people in a nasty, nasty way. And he was on his way to Damascus. He wasn't looking for God. He thought that he knew God. He thought that he was doing God's will. He thought that he was doing the right stuff. How many know there's a lot of people in the name of God think they're doing the right stuff? They think, I'm, I'm doing the godly stuff right now. What are you talking about, preacher? They actually think they're doing the right stuff. So they think they're doing God. He thought I am defending the name of God from these people. They're not worthy. They're messing people up. They're taking people from God. And then all of a sudden on the road, boom, he gets knocked off his horse. And it's like, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? You're not persecuting the people. You're persecuting me. Jesus is saying, I am affected. I am moved. I am touched by what you're doing to people around you in the name of God. How are you guys? You all right? I mean, boom, he gets knocked off his horse. And I love his first response is, who is it? Lord? (laughs) Lord? Lord, I mean, bright, great, great, bright, shining light. And then he was blinded. He went into town. And then across town, there's another guy just, you know, enjoying Jesus, having a normal day. All of a sudden, boom, he gets caught up in a trance. And the Lord visits him. He's just a disciple. We're talking maybe seven, eight years after after the resurrection. We're not talking, you know, a long time. And this is not, it's some guy we never see before. We never see him again. Just a guy named Ananias. Just a servant of God. Just a normal dude. He wasn't pastor in a church. Wasn't a great apostle or a prophet. Just a guy named Ananias has an encounter with God. He says, Lord, what is it? He says, hey, there's a guy in town. I just knocked him off a horse and blinded him. But he's over kind of freaking out right now on a place called Straight Street. Go down there. Here's the address. I want you to go to him and I want you to tell him, well, who is this guy? It's Saul. Well, I've heard about that guy. I don't know Do I want to go visit that guy. Are you kidding me? You know, sometimes God's going to make you go places you don't want to go and do things you don't really feel like doing, and make you go through tough choices. If you're not having a few tough choices in life, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Because God leads us. He's really good at leading us into uncomfortable situations. Anyway, he takes him into this situation, and boom, he goes in, and he sees Saul, and he walks in, and he, I, love it. I love his first word. His first word was, brother Saul. How many don't know if you just got knocked off your horse by God Almighty and you were persecuting him and he told you, you've been persecuting me, how many think the next event might be he's going to chop off my head? But he's there, he's waiting, he doesn't know what's going to happen, and all of a sudden the first voice he hears, somebody sent from God, he says, Brother Saul. How many think that's a pretty good entry? So far, so good. And he says, Brother Saul, I have came. I've come to tell you that you're called by God. I've come to speak and prophesy over you your destiny and your identity. I've come to heal your eyes. I've come, to, I've come to give you a purpose. I've come to take you and baptize you into the body of Christ. And his life was totally transformed. He had an encounter with God, but some disciples showed up and went into an awkward situation, was willing to go in a place where generally you wouldn't want to go, but he honored God to go into a difficult situation because he believed that God could turn even that life Around, God could turn even that life around. Okay, God turned my life around. I think there's a lot of people who'd quit on Carl Thomas. They'd say he's done. Stick a fork in him. All those words over his life that we heard about his future. Done. Stick him in the freezer. But you know, God can turn the worst of situations around. Isn't that good? It's not fair! You're absolutely right. It's the grace of God. The grace of God is not fair. So just a couple observations really quick. You ready? God uses believers. Believers hear his voice. Believers honor his word. Believers embrace challenges. And believers heal people. Any believers here today? That's your commission. God wants to put you in a trance every day and show you in front of you are people he loves, cares about, and they are people for you to argue with and talk about, your worldview with. They're people that God wants to transform their lives and bring them into the kingdom. But look at at Paul. Here's some observation from Paul. God God calls whoever he wants. Like, God had a really, a lot of good people in church you could have picked, but you picked that guy. Like, this guy was killing Christians, and you picked him to be somebody who would go and take your name to the Gentiles and be one of the greatest apostles ever. Like, bad choice. I had a lot better candidates over here. I like the nice-looking guys with the slick voices. Hey. You know what it says about Paul? He wasn't good-looking, and he couldn't speak. He was a mumbler. Wouldn't make it in our superstar Christianity today. Hey, that's why sometimes I wonder if God chose me when I'm so awesome. People could get confused and think you're only picking the good-looking, wonderful people. And God chooses whoever he will. He chooses whoever he wants. And you know what? God himself, he accepts you, he heals you, he empowers you, and he puts his purpose in display in your life, and he unites you and brings you into union with himself. 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus, this was the Apostle Paul, some of his last writings to Timothy, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And here's what Paul said, of whom I am chief. I mean, I was the worst of the worst. I'm not deceived about what was going on in my life, but thank God that he reached down to even the chief of sinners. And here's something you should always know, and it's a saying that you should keep in your mind. God came to touch and to seek and to save sinners. One more thing, and I'm going to let you go. One more thing. Another picture I want to show you. And this is Chaplain Henry F. Garricky. Henry F. Garricky. Henry F. Garricky. He served Hitler's gang at Nuremberg, and 14 of the 16 of that gang accepted Jesus. Now, you can take that off the screen for a second. We'll come back to it. But just take that one down. Now, he was serving, he was in his 50s, and he was serving as a chaplain with the armed forces as they went in and invaded, uh, you know, France and through Germany. He had two children who were already killed by the Nazis. And he'd been already in the service for two and a half years and hadn't had a break. And they came to him because he was a Lutheran chaplain. And they said, look, we got 21 guys in Nuremberg, and they're the worst of the very worst. They're the most horrible people you could ever imagine he says, but you know, these horrible guys are going to be tried and likely executed for crimes against humanity. He said, but even these guys, they need a chaplain. And so we've come to you because we'd like you to go and we'd like you to serve these men. And he just immediately went, are you out of your mind? I've lost two children because of this nonsense. There is not a single chance I'm going to do this. He said, they said, look, 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 don't give me an answer right now. Think about it. But he went and he thought about it, and he prayed about it, and he said, you know, the Lord spoke to me, he says, everybody, everybody needs to hear from me. Everybody needs to be cared for. Say everybody. Everybody. So he went, and he got there, and he he met each and every one of them, and then he set up uh, chapel times. And when they came to chapel, he said, I don't even know where you guys are at, so we're going to have communion someday, but I'm not going to offer communion, you know, to people who I think are a bit odd. But anyways, and that was his mindset at the time. But he said, all I did was preach the simplicity of Christ crucified. He said, the first chapel, I preached that Jesus Christ was crucified, the godly for the ungodly so that you might become the righteousness of God. He said, boom. The first one fell right out of the chair and began to cry on the floor. And he said, oh God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me! And he was just wowed by it. He's like, oh my goodness. He began to work with them. He began to talk to them. And he, and he saw many make just total decisions that God have mercy on me. And then he came back the next week and he offered them communion. And three of them fell out of their chairs and were just on the floor going, oh God, have mercy. On me, I want to read you a little letter. Read you a little letter. This was in 1946. Garricky was 54. He'd been there for a while, but they were going to be sending some people home. And the rumor going through the prison was that Garricky was going to be sent home or given the opportunity to go home they, 21, these 21 prisoners, they got together and they wrote a letter and they asked if this letter could be sent to Garricky's wife. And they said, your husband has been taking religious care of the undersigned. All 21 of them signed it for more than half a year now. And we've now heard that you wish to see him back home and in his, because of his absence of several years, because we also have wives and children, we understand and wish yours and wish you very well. Nevertheless, We are asking you to put off your wish to gather your family around you. Please consider that we cannot miss your husband right now. It is impossible for any other to break through the walls of what has deeply surrounded us in a spiritual sense. The walls that have surrounded us in a spiritual sense, and they are even stronger than the material ones that surround us. We shall be deeply indebted to you, and we send you our best wishes to you and your family. God be with you, undersigned by all 21 of those guys. And he was about to make a decision to go home, but then his wife sent him a letter. And they'd done this without him knowing it. They'd communicated to his wife without him knowing it. And his wife wrote back to him and says, don't worry about coming home. You stay there. And you minister to the spiritual needs of these people. 16 of them were Lutherans, they were his responsibility, 14 of them accepted Jesus, and 14 of them confessed life, 14 of them had a transformed life. Let me put this back on the screen, put this picture back on the screen, because it says they did so in a spirit that convinced me that their repentance was genuine, and I have many years of experience as a prison chaplain, and I do not believe that I am easily deluded by phony reformations at the 11th hour. You can take that down. I think that's amazing that somebody would go do that and would serve what we would consider the worst of the worst. I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. I have a hard time. I have a hard time forgiving people. I have an easy, easy time forgiving me. And so I have a very easy time forgiving me for not being forgiving. But you know what? Every one of us needs mercy. If you think you're special today and you think that's a nice story about those evil people, but I'm a pretty good person, you need the same mercy. You need the exact same mercy. For none is righteous, no, not one. All your righteousness is filthy rags. It's not one of us that could qualify to be a child of God. Not one of us. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God all, every single one of us. Some seem to have done it better than others. But it's all the same. If you broke it in one bit, you broke it all. And you know, church, I think what the world needs to see today is love. What the church needs, world needs to see today is people who understand that mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. I read that the other day. I was just reading it. On the notes, it's got a source. You can look at the notes online and you can see where I was reading in some chaplain's uh, website there. I just went, oh my goodness, I didn't know that. But his story, and you know, they didn't even want him to share his story. It was five years before they even released him to to share what had happened. Because he walked every one of those guys to the gallows and he prayed with them before they gave their lives. Gehring wouldn't give his life. And Gehring was a coward. When it was time for him to be uh, executed, he took cyanide. And his little daughter had come. They say his daughter came the day before and said, Daddy, Daddy, please accept Jesus. And he pushed her away. And he said, that won't be necessary. And Rudolf Hess later on, he hung himself. But 14 accepted the mercy and the grace of Jesus because this man who had lost his own children to this horrible, nasty, terrible ideology, he went into the midst of some of the worst propagators of it and he shared with them the mercy of God. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. As a community, I think we got to show mercy. In every way, there's, there's not much mercy around today. There's a lot of judgment. Lots and lots of judgment. I got some judgment too. And you know what? I think I'm right. But honest to God, who cares? You know, I think he's right. As the Apostle Paul, he said, it's by the grace of God I am what I am and nothing else. And if I even do anything, it's the grace of God in me that does it. Hey! I think a community like that, a community of people like, you know, Chaplain Garriker, a community to walk into broken, hopeless situations, people like Ananias, who at the word of the Lord will show up to somebody who's the most fearful person who's attacking the faith today and walk in and say, Jesus loves you. Can you stand up with me? It's not fair. Thank God it's not fair. Thank God that freely you have received, so freely give. Amen. Amen. Just bow your heads. Everybody's praying. Everybody's praying. We're all praying. Listen, if you're here today and you say, man, I, I don't know, I'm not as bad as some of those guys. Well, you, you put the bar really, really high. Jeffrey Dahmer, <laughs> Nazis, I mean, oh my goodness. Yeah, those guys need mercy. So do you. So do you? You need mercy today. Maybe you're hearing you've never actually said, "Hey, Jesus, have mercy on me." You've never said, "I need my sins forgiven." Well, here's the good news: your sin is forgiven. Jesus has forgiven you, and He set you free. But you know what? You got to receive that. It's done. Happened two thousand years ago at the cross. Jesus, the Lamb of God, took away the sin of the whole world. But you got to say, "Hey, let that mercy." Pour over me today. And listen, if you've never done that, but today, even online, maybe you've never done that. You wandered in to this little Facebook site, YouTube site. You're hearing the good news of the gospel. That you know what? It's not fair. But you know what? No matter where you may be, if you think I'm too far gone, you're not even close to too far gone. His eyes are in your eyes right now. His heart is for you. You've never lived an unloved moment. He's always been there, but he's ready to bring you into the family. But if you're here today in the house and you say, hey, today, pastor, for me i want jesus to be my savior and my lord if that's you i'm gonna count to three i'm gonna go one two three and then would you put up your hand really high are you ready here it is one two three just boom really high really high thank you thank you thank you you. anyone else just lift your hand very high okay you can put your hands down thank you we're all gonna pray Everybody here is going to pray, so don't be afraid. You lift up your voice and you pray with me. Are you ready? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for your mercy. I receive right now your forgiveness, your healing, and your life. I declare I am forgiven, I'm healed, and I'm free. Thank you for being my Lord and being my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now online, we got a button you can push. Please, if you did that for the first time, push that button and say, hey, I need to know more. Pray for me. If you're in the house, somebody might tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, could we follow up with you? We're not asking you to join the church, but we want to give you all the good news about a decision you made today. And we want you to just enjoy and unpack the whole thing. Okay? One more thing. Just bow your heads one more time. If you're here today and you're going, oh my goodness, I walk in a whole lot of self-righteousness. You know that? And Lord, I just want to be reminded again that it's your grace and your grace alone. I just want a fresh reminder again that I want to walk in mercy. I want to manifest the nature of the family of God. And freely I've received. So absolutely freely I give. So, Father, break off of me right now in Jesus' name. Judgment, criticism, the nonsense, the I, way I might see life, break it off me right now. And I pray that you, again, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me today. I just thank you for it. Baptize me in it, that I might be a big dispenser of it for your honor and your glory. Now, keep your heads bowed. Listen, if that just a little bit affected you, would you do something? Would you put your hand up right now and say, thanks for praying for me, Pastor? Thanks for praying for me. Thanks for praying for me, Pastor. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Believe me, it touched me first. Touch me first. Thank you for your mercy. Father, I bless this house right now. I bless each and every one. I bless them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I bless them to go and to prosper. I bless them especially to be dispensers of your heavenly favor. I loose every believer here, just like Ananias, to see opportunities, to encounter you every day, to be used by you, to manifest and express this freedom to everyone we run into and everyone we see. We pray this week for many, many divine interventions, divine opportunities to share the mercy of God with people you love. I bless them now in Jesus' precious name. Amen.